0: Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You're invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. This morning's scripture is from 1 John. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We really like to make stovetop popcorn in our house, we get out the great big frying pan with the lid, and then we'll put a little coconut oil in the base and cover the base with coconut oil. We use coconut oil because it makes the popcorn just a little bit sweet, not like kettle corn sweet but just a little bit, and a dash of salt in there, we'll usually put about a quarter of a cup of popcorn kernels in, and then turn on the heat and it will slowly start to sizzle in there and you get to see some of the popcorn kernels maybe hop a little bit and then all of a sudden one pops. And then another one pops, and after a while, you get a series of the popping going on in the pan. And one of the things that I love most about the experience is when the popcorn gets full to the point where it's lifting up the lid. It starts to gently lift the lid a little bit, so it's just overflowing like it's going to burst out of the thing. And I don't know why I like it so much. Maybe it's because I know that the popcorn's almost ready and I'll get to eat it. Maybe it's because it reminds me of the movie Real Genius. But I just love to watch it get to the point of nearly overflowing from the pan. That is a lot of fun for me. Now, I try not to eat the popcorn to the point of personally overflowing, and we're just a couple of weeks away from when we get to gather around our tables and eat ourselves to beyond capacity and fill ourselves to overflowing with good things. You really don't want to overflow when you're taking in your Thanksgiving meal, however. Overflow is an important part of who God is, and honestly, Overflow is part of the reason why we exist, and it's the underlying purpose for all of creation. And that walks us up to our first lesson this morning. The relational nature of God is impossible to explain, but possible to experience. The relational nature of God is impossible to explain, but possible to experience. John writes, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen, We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. I would often joke that pastors are notoriously bad at math. The way we estimate crowd size, for example, usually we just increase it by a few hundred. In fact, one of the central equations of our faith tells us that three equals one and one equals three. It's terrible math, but this concept of God as one singular God, but main to- made known to us through our tradition as three persons. I'm going to get into the theological weeds a little bit here, so bear with me. You won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Trinity is the term Christians use to describe the relationship of what we read in the Bible as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These are not three separate gods, but one God revealed to us in three co-eternal, co-equal, unique, but united persons. People who get hung up on the paternal language often want to change the words to something like creator, redeemer, and sustainer. But since all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are active participants in creation, redemption, and the sustaining of faith and life, separating the Trinity into roles or offices doesn't work out very perfectly. Sometimes we just have to acknowledge the limitations of our language and use the terms given to us through the witness of Scripture. In good faith effort to make the Trinity more easily understood, people use analogies like the states of matter in water, like how water is sometimes liquid, sometimes solid, in ice, and sometimes gas as vapor. And the Trinity is kind of like that, but it's kind of not. The persons of our Trinity aren't states of matter that shift according to our circumstances, but they are eternal realities. It stumps us, and probably it could go without saying, but there's nothing quite like the three-in-one nature of our God. People have spent a couple thousand years trying to describe the nature of this connection, using terms like hypostatic union and homoousios to understand the nature of God, how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each fully God and of the same substance. At a certain point, though, nearly every theologian throws up their hands at what has proven to be unknowable to humanity so far. This coming Wednesday, on our Facebook Live midweek, we're going to spend some time looking more into the deeper theological weeds of Trinity, and so we can get a deeper understanding of that. And I invite you to join me at 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon on Facebook Live for that. Methodist founder John Wesley understood that there is some mystery at work in this part of our tradition. He basically came to the point of saying, we don't know how God is three-in-one, but Scripture tells him that God is three-in-one. He believed that the doctrine of Trinity, this way that we've been given to understand God's nature, enters into the very heart of Christianity. And he felt this mystery of God was better left a mystery to be adored and pondered. Why does it get to the heart of Christianity? Here's where we come out of the metaphysical and out of the weeds of the discussion and much more into the experiential. God's very nature is relationship. God's very nature is relationship. Before creation, before light, before seas, lands, bird, fish, crawling things, and people, before all of that, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in perfect, self-giving, loving communion. The Godhead needed nothing, wanted for nothing, and existed in pure and undefiled love. And love is not meant to be kept. Love is not decreased by the sharing. Love, when shared in mutuality, has a tendency to only increase and overflow. The God of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a love that would be shared, that needed to be shared. And so our God did something about that. God created a universe that could experience loving, self-giving community. And that takes us to our second lesson. We are created and invited as an extension of God's communal nature. We are created and invited as an extension of God's communal nature. John goes on. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. I've had moments of incredible nearness with people. To see my wife Amy's eyes as we exchanged our wedding vows to comfort our kids by rocking them in a chair so that their anxious breathing might start to take pace with my intentionally slow breathing. To be with someone who is near death as that veil between this life and eternity is remarkably thin and to pray with people as they offer their lives to Jesus in faith for the very first time. There are moments of nearness that are unforgettable. I've had moments of nearness like that with our God, too. There were times as a kid when I can recall being absolutely amazed at the power of a very near God as I wondered at a thunderstorm. There were times when I'd go for a walk and have a conversation with Jesus and it felt like he was right alongside me. There were Times I remember when I was so focused on the words of someone's prayer that it seemed like the entire room started to glow white and I was almost elevated from the ground. There were times when God's word and direction seemed to come through friends at just the right time in order to offer me correction or encouragement. There were moments in worship when I felt so fully surrendered to the presence of the Lord that I never wanted to come back down from that proverbial mountaintop. God created us to enter into this loving self-giving communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the John who writes here knows that God has given us countless ways to experience that love, not because the Lord needed us or created us for labor or vanity's sake. Have you ever considered that? That you have been created specifically to experience love? Not an easy love, not the happiness that comes largely at the expense of others, and not a life of comfort that's free from struggle. A life that knows to make itself vulnerable. To open our hearts to hurt and bitter disappointment because we've been willing to risk caring for something or someone. We've been created to experience what it is like to be loved, wholly, relentlessly, unconditional, unconditionally, unceasingly loved. Not based on our performance, not based on our good behavior or our ways that we've avoided sinful behavior. A love based purely on the nature of a God whose love is so strong and so pure That it has the power to refine those parts of our lives that decay through selfishness and sin. This kind of love overflows and shares. It's exactly why we're here. It's the purpose of our existence. To know God's transformational love and to make that love known. We see glimpses of that in the better angels of our nature. Have you ever grown a garden and the harvest was more than you could possibly eat or can, and so you had no choice but to take the overflow and share it with somebody? Have you ever made cookies and you doubled the recipe, not because you needed more of that caramelized sugar or the chocolate chips, but because maybe there was a new neighbor who moved into your area and you wanted to be able to welcome them with something kind? Have you ever looked through your closet and checked out clothes that They are in good shape, but maybe you just don't wear them as often, and so you thought maybe you would donate them to somebody who would have a need. Have you ever seen a community devastated by a hurricane and then looked around at your safe, dry home and thought enough to make a donation to those who are needing help with recovery? Have you ever seen someone sitting by themselves at a table and bypassed a more familiar face so you could sit down with a stranger to befriend them in case they might be lonely? It doesn't require faith to show that we are created in the image, as image bearers of this God who is inherently relational and self-giving. And I know plenty of generous atheists and have experienced remarkable hospitality from folks who claim no religious affiliation. But I really believe that faith should make this beautiful aspect of our created nature, nature more evident, more courageous, more welcoming, and point as clearly as possible to this source of our good our loving God. We're constantly surrounded by God's love. The love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is always around us, and though we can be blind to it, we cannot stop it or blot it out. We stumble aimlessly into God's love quite frequently, but we don't grow in God's love accidentally. That requires us prioritizing love, and I'll explain. Our God is one, There is a constant communion between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet when Jesus was walking on earth in human form, he would often retreat to pray. He'd spend time very purposefully making certain that this perfect loving union would remain unbroken. Jesus, perfect love, very God in human form, still needed to take time to tend to his relationship with the other two persons of the Trinity. His perfect obedience, the miraculous power he displayed, The courage he embodied and the love he shared required that kind of time to connect with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus' joy to tend to that relationship and invite other people into it. Why are we sometimes under the impression that the kind of love that God would call forth from us each day requires almost no time connecting with the Lord? I know I'm not stronger or better suited for loving service than Jesus, I know within me is not enough love to serve anyone, starting with myself and radiating out to my family, this congregation, the community, and a hurting world. I'm fairly sure I can't effectively invite somebody into a relationship with God that I don't cultivate and prioritize for myself. In short, if I'm not soaking in the overflowing love of the Trinity, whatever I have to offer is going to fall short, and I miss out on a lot of joy harbor a lot of anxiety, and keep to myself a lot of goodness that is meant to be freely shared. But as John writes in this letter, the bond that God shared with us, the love that's been poured out for us, and the assurance that the Holy Spirit has strengthened in us, it's ours to share generously. And that's our joy, and it's a joy for others. Our third lesson this morning, we reflect the Trinity when we invite others into God's love. We reflect the Trinity when we invite others into God's love. We're going to go back to Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, and look at the account of creation. Genesis chapter 1. God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the creation narrative, did you ever notice God having a chat with God's self and saying, let us make humans in our image? In the original Hebrew, the phrase we translate as God has a way of indicating both singular and plural. It's a singular plural, which is an absolute oxymoron in our grammar, but it's a theological point in this passage. That humanity wouldn't reflect God unless humanity had community right out of the gates. In Genesis 2, have you noticed that when man was created, God was again having a chat with God's self and said, it isn't good that this earth creature should be alone. Let us make a suitable helper because we don't reflect the God who created us without a chance to know loving, self-giving communion with others. It's baked into our recipe." Because God's nature is loving relationship, unique and united, in self-giving mutuality. It's been built into our DNA in ways that even the fall of humanity may have hindered or perverted, but it certainly didn't purge entirely. Our hearts long for that connection. There's a void that many of us don't know how to fill until we find the satisfaction in our hearts as we're welcomed into that perfect fellowship that's been in existence before the dawn of time. We might sense there's something missing, but we don't know what's missing until that God-shaped hole in our hearts finds its fulfillment. When we stop running, stop resisting, stop trying to keep faith all in our heads or locked into a box on Sunday mornings and allow ourselves to be dashed and rebuilt, crucified and raised to new life by the power of this love. Right before Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of his Father. Those who were followers of Christ received a powerful commission, and that commission remains for us today. Jesus was telling his disciples in Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is... The time in Scripture when Jesus makes reference to the Trinity. Why? Because our mission is to continue the aim of this God who is unique and united and ceaseless in self giving love. The same God who called loving community into being at the time of creation calls loving community to be recreated in every subsequent generation. And how does God accomplish that? Through us. Through us by inviting us in, by welcoming us, and including us, by assuring us, gifting us, sending us, correcting us, making us family together in Christ, united and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and inviting others to to join this incredible community of those who are being remade in Christ's love. We'll be loved, and we'll learn. And we'll go in that love to welcome people into loving community. We'll teach will remember the God who has been in holy relationship from the very beginning, will continue and grow that love beyond our need for time. That relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into which we've been invited. It matters. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you created us not out of a need for us, not for vanity or your need to be adored and worshiped, though you are worthy of adoration, you are worthy of our praise. You created us because in and of yourself, you were overflowing with perfect love. God, we are so thankful that you have drawn us into that relationship, that you've given us a chance to know what it is to be pursued in love, to be wrapped in love and to let our lives be transformed by that love. God, we thank you that it is in your very nature to call us into this family of faith. And it's in our nature to invite and welcome others into this family of faith as well. We love you. We praise you for who you are and for all the good you've done for us. In the powerful name of Christ our Lord, amen.